I mean, look, you can join a political party, and we encourage you to, and vote in the next election, but you only have interpersonal relationships there, only horizontal happenings. And the difference between those and church is that churches, we have community with each other because of the relationship that we have with God. Our fellowship is not only interpersonal, but it's also spiritual. We humans tend to have a rather narrow view of who we want to let into our lives. We want to be around people who are, for the most part, similar to us and how we live our lives. But as Pastor Daniel will be teaching today, the kingdom of God is open to everybody. That means that we're going to be interacting with people very different than ourselves. The great thing about this is that through the Holy Spirit, we all have common ground. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he begins his message, God is Light. It's called God is Underline. So each week we're going to learn something new about who God is. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why would we do a series called God is Underline? And quite simply, it's because that if you spend any time talking to people, um, watching TV, reading things on the internet, you find that in 21st century Western culture, everybody believes something about who God is. That all over the news, every interview, every time someone talks about something, there is always a reference to who God is. And the question that ends up becoming, is God really who everybody thinks God is, or is God something or someone else? It makes me think of French philosopher Voltaire, who said, if God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favor. And Voltaire was a bit skeptical of it all. He's saying, look, if God created us in his image, we're always wanting to make God in our own image. As long as humans have been on the earth, we have been saying God is this. And what's interesting is most often we want God to love what we love, hate what we hate. Because what we do is we want to have a greater authority to draw us and to say that the way we live and the way that we feel and the things that we value are even bigger than ourselves. So we are trying And I say we as a human collective we, we are trying to conform God to make him like us. So if we love a certain political party, we say that's God's party. And if we hate a political party, we say God hates that political party. And if we're like, we love this sports team, then God loves this sports team more than every other sports team. What's unfortunate about it is that what we're doing in effect is we're trying to conform God into our image. And that's exactly what Voltaire was getting at. God is not whoever we make him to be. God created us. We did not create God. And 
we should not be trying to conform God into our image. We should allow God to conform us into his image. So I think that this series, Who God Is, is maybe the most important series we can do because that's what the church is all about. Who is God? And we're going to be seeing that as we look through 1 John. Now, today as I take 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, my theme is going to be that God is light. And we'll see why as we go through it. And I have five simple truths for you. And each one of these truths, these five truths, will also address a common misconception about God. Now, what's interesting is these misconceptions were going on in John's day, and that's why he's writing about them, but they're also very prevalent today. So there's going to be five truths, and then there's going to be five pushing against common misconceptions about who God is. So let's just jump right in. First John chapter 1, beginning at the beginning, in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So we begin in these four verses with the reality that the word of life brings light through joyful fellowship. The word of life brings light through joyful fellowship. Now, I'm going to explain that. Pretty much what I did is I pretty much took a phrase from almost every verse and I put them together. The word of life is Jesus brings light, which is going to be the theme of our whole message, through joyful fellowship. If you notice in verse 4, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. But notice where John begins, that which was from the beginning. If you recall John's gospel, chapter 1, first number of verses, John likes to begin at the beginning. I like that about John. He has a definite starting point. Think about John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, John begins his gospel and now his letter, his first letter, with the reality that Jesus was from the beginning. And the idea is is that Jesus pre-existed when creation happened, and therefore Jesus is and was and has always been God. That's the point of all of this. Now, 
The Greek concept of the word logos or logos, depending on how you like to syllabify your words and if you like hard or soft vowels on those words, that idea is a Greek idea that words are creative. When God created the heavens and the earth, the Genesis chapter 1 it said that God spoke and these things came into existence. Now, sometimes people say, oh, you know, how can you believe the Bible? You may be someone who's a skeptic. I mean, how can you believe that God spoke and it was creative? I'm like, well, just walk through the world. I mean, how many of us are married or in a relationship and your significant other speaks to you and you get angry? It happens, right? Words are creative. They just told you, can you help with the garbage? And you fly off the handle. Their words create something. See, our words are creative. And so in the beginning, when God said that there be light, there was light because the word is creative. And Jesus, being always one with the Father, was their creation, that which was from the beginning. But notice this. We begin with this reality that Jesus was there in the beginning, but then John takes great pains to tell you that Jesus is real. Look at it. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, that we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Notice in verse 2, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. See, John is going through great pains to be able to say, look, we touched him. We looked at him. We beheld him. Why? Because a common misconception in John's day, misconception number one, is the concept of docetism. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. The belief of the docetists simply meant that Jesus wasn't real. That he only seemed to be real. He was just an apparition. That although God seemed to have a body, he didn't really. Now you might be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Daniel, I've never met someone who calls themselves a docetist, but oh, yes, you have. Because if you've been to a college in the last 40 years, you learned that Jesus wasn't real. You were taught that Jesus was a myth. I took religions of the Western world. That's what I learned. There was a reverend doctor said, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus is just a mythical figure. He's not really real. You can actually read volumes, literally volumes on the quest for the historical Jesus, where what you do is you have what is classic. It's theological training, but what it's really is, it's revisionist history. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you going to believe the eyewitness testimony of somebody who touched, heard, saw, spoke with Jesus, or are you going to believe something written 2,000 years later by somebody in a completely different culture who wasn't anywhere near to be around when these things happened. See, the problem with the Jesus is a myth theory is that nobody actually started saying that Jesus was a myth till about 150 years ago. Seriously. Go look in the history books. Look in the theology of history books. It's only in the last 150 years since the Enlightenment that people would say that Jesus is a myth. I don't know how often you talk to someone like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, how can you believe in that mythical figure? I mean, in every culture, there's a Jesus figure, as if Jesus wasn't real. So John goes to great pains to undercut this misconception that Jesus was a myth, that he was an ideal. No, Jesus was a living, breathing person. 
God became a man. Now, these misconceptions are important to me because before I became a Christian, I believed all of these things. Seriously, I believe that Jesus was a myth. I believe that every culture had a Christ figure. But when I realized that the reason I believed that was because I was told he was a myth, and then if I'm going to choose revisionist history over eyewitness testimony, then that's just straight up illogical. I decided I needed to change my position. People who saw Jesus, walked with him, maybe got a noogie from him along the way. (laughs) Our hands held him. Our eyes beheld him. We saw what he did. We heard what he said. Jesus is real. And Jesus is the word of life. Notice, at the end of verse 1, our hands have handled concerning the word of life, that life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. See, the word of life brings life through joyful fellowship. Jesus is the word of life, and he brings light through joyful fellowship. Now, notice verse 3. He says this, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is what makes Christianity and church different from every other social club you can join. The difference between Christianity and the YMCA is not only that the YMCA has an Olympic-sized pool. Notice, within the church, within the people of God, we have fellowship or community or commonness with one another, and our fellowship is with God. So not only is it a horizontal relationship amongst people, interpersonal, but it's also truly spiritual. Our fellowship, our community happens because of our relationship and fellowship that we have with God. So church is different. I mean, look, you can join a political party, and we encourage you to, and vote in the next election, but you only have interpersonal relationships there, only horizontal happenings. And the difference between those and church is that churches, we have community with each other because of the relationship that we have with God. Our fellowship is not only interpersonal, but it's also spiritual. And really, the vertical access, the relationship with God feeds our horizontal relationships. And that's why he says, I've written these things that your joy may be full. Makes me think of what Jesus said in John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Our joy as the children of God through the finished work of Jesus It's because of the joy that God has in and of himself. Think of Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you have joy in the community of faith that God has called you to? Do you have joy in what God is doing in people's lives? Jesus, the word of life, came to bring light to joyful fellowship. Now, as we continue, look at what happens in verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. Here we learn that God is purifying light. Notice right in verse 5, it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then by the time you get to verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So because the blood of Jesus cleanses us, I'm using the word purifying. So God is purifying light. Now, the reality that God is light is the theme of my whole message today. When you think of God being light, light in its most basic physical principle, light reveals, doesn't it? Like right now, there's lights in here. Look around. You can see each other. You can even wave at your friends across the sanctuary. Hey, how you doing? But have you ever walked into the sanctuary when none of the lights are on? It is pitch dark in here. I had to do this sometimes after service when I'm playing on the worship team and after everyone's left and, you know, everyone's gone, gone home, I'm still hanging out in the family room talking to people and I need to come grab my bass. And I walk into the doors and it's totally dark and I take out my phone trying to see if I can get a little flashlight or I'll break out my lightsaber app, you know. Because if you're in the dark, lightsabers always work, you know, and so I break it out and you can't see anything eight inches in front of your face. But when you turn the lights on, Oh, look, there's the pews, there's the rows, there's the steps so I don't break my head on the pulpit or something. Light reveals. And what is interesting about this is that one of the ways we are being purified by the Lord is by letting him shine the light of who he is on our hearts. And that is why, let's be honest, if you've been around the block a few times, what you realize is that when you're living in a way that you know is wrong, you don't want to open your Bible, you don't want to go to prayer, and you don't want to go to church. Why? Because you know that light's going to get shined on your stuff. And in the light, no amount of cover-up actually gets the job done. And one of the things that's so hard is because we struggle and we all make mistakes and we're all in process, when we walk into the family of God with the people of God, inspired by the spirit of God, that light's going to get shined on our hearts. And oftentimes it's not pretty. But once the light is shined, once the impurity is seen, then God can deal with it. And so God is purifying light, revealing to us where we make mistakes, showing us our flaws, but also purifying us. See, I love that about the Lord. The Lord just doesn't reveal to us our faults to make us feel better that we're not as bad as other people. That's what our friends are for, right? Our friends show us our faults so that they can feel better about themselves. See, God reveals to us our faults so that he can show us how he's growing us up. He can show us the areas that he's tending to. And know what's awesome about being a part of the family of God is that nobody in this place has got it all together. And if you think you got it all together, then you're not part of the family of God. Because the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross to forgive people who make mistakes. And I love that. So when someone comes like, man, I just pulled a bonehead move. I'm like, that's why Jesus died on a cross. That's why we believe in Jesus. Hey, you got issues, me too. That's why God sent Jesus for me. 
That's the, the nature of the gospel is that we're all in process. And don't get me wrong, some of us, there's a little more processing going on than with other of us at times. Sometimes I hang out with Pastor Bill and I'm thinking to myself, man, I got to grow. He'll say something just totally wise and I'm just like, hmm, all right. Brighten it down. I'll preach it later, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know, God's working on all of us. He's purifying all of us. And the day you stop being purified is the day that you're either with him or you're backslidden. (laughs) You're either getting busy growing or you're getting busy regressing until Jesus comes back. So we're all in process. And that's why we're so grateful for the grace of God. But now notice this. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Notice verse 6. Verse 6 gets rough. John gets really rough. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is another misconception. Misconception number two. This is what is commonly called antinomianism. You thought to yourself, man, I didn't come to church to learn these big words. But you just thank the scholars, man. People go to school for a long time. They need to make you know that they know things. So they make bigger and more complex words for you. So you can thank them. And it's also very impressive when you say things like antinomianism. So when you go to your small group this week, just like float out antinomianism. Everyone will think you're a theologian. It's an amazing thing. (laughs) Antinomianism is literally three words slammed together. It's the word anti, which is the Greek word for against. Namas, which is the Greek word for law. It's the equivalent of the Hebrew Torah. And then ism, we all know what isms are, don't we? There's a million of them in the world in every generation. This ism or that ism. So it's a group that is against law. Antinomianism. Now, basic antinomianism is quite simply that there's no law, that I can kind of do whatever I want. In modern terms, in words that we use every day, the modern term for antinomianism is simply relativism. It's that it doesn't matter how we live. That if God exists, he loves everybody the same. So what I do with my life is mine. It's relative. For you younger people, YOLO is classic relativism. Yeah, I said YOLO in church. You only live once. For those of you who don't know what YOLO is. That is a very common misconception. That... If there is a God, God loves everybody the same. And who cares what I do? You only live once. I got one shot at this. Let's grab the bull by the horns, carpe diem. Let's just do whatever we got to do. And it's all good. But notice what verse six says. Once again, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, brothers and sisters, listen, I didn't write this. So don't get mad at me. But if you say that you are a follower of Jesus and you walk in a way that goes against what Jesus would do if he was living your life, then guess what? You're a liar and you do not practice the truth. Jesus is real. Light is so important for humans to function properly. Pastor Daniel pointed out in his teaching today that this truism carries over into the spiritual realm as well. If you want to be more like Jesus, Jesus is going to look into your life using spiritual light. 
you learn that because he wants you to be more like him, he's going to point out things in your life you might not want him to notice, but it's for your improvement. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from his teaching called God is Light. You are going to hear more about the characteristics of light and how much it benefits your life. Pastor Daniel will bring those components of light into the spiritual realm and show how God, in his attempts to purify your life, will shine that light into the nooks and crannies of your existence. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called God Is. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.